We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, dear one and my darling. I'm so honored to be spending some time with you here today on Empower Radio and Journey to Center. You know, life is full of opportunities, choices, and decisions that need to be made. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to make those right decisions all the time? Often when we're presented with an opportunity or a choice, it can be stressful and challenging to figure out, do I say yes or no? Do I go left or right? Do I dive in or do I walk away? My guest today teaches those that are willing to learn strategic decision-making with an ever-improving sense of timing, along with something he refers to as intuitive intelligence. We are so fortunate to have with us Paul O'Brien. Paul is a visionary entrepreneur who invented a new category of software in 1989 that evolved into becoming the world's largest astrology and divination websites. He sold the company in 2007 and has since authored three books. Paul is a sought-after speaker, philanthropist, and founder of the Educational Divination Foundation. So, Paul, thank you for saying yes to having this conversation with me here today. It's my pleasure, Tammy. So, let's just start with what you call intuitive intelligence, and it is the name of your book, Intuitive Intelligence, Make Life-Changing Decisions with Perfect Timing. So, what actually is intuitive intelligence? Well, intuitive intelligence is a higher form of intelligence. You know, we know about IQ and social intelligence and emotional intelligence. And there's even been uh, a definition of, of, of something called erotic intelligence. And intuitive intelligence is simply the ability to access your intuitive sense when you need it the most. So I say it's a higher form of intelligence because I believe intuition is a higher form of uh, it's a higher sense in the sense it, that it it emanates from the heart mm. and it transcends logic. It transcends the linearity of logic. But the trick is accessing it when you need it the most. And that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, because we get into our mind and fear. And I would imagine, and you can tell me if this is correct or not, I would imagine that intuition is more of the still small voice. It's a quieter, more subtle um uh, intelligence. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. In fact, strong emotions are one of the causes of very poor decision making. Mm. And that kind of flies in the face of what most people assume. You think, well, if I have a strong feeling that I should trust that and I should go with that. And that's an indicator that that's what I should do. But I say, on the contrary, mm. strong feelings. Um, actually, I call it O'Brien's law, which because <laughs> I made because I made it up. And it basically goes like this. The stronger the feeling, the less trustworthy it is as a basis for good decision making. Because like you said, the in intuition is a much more subtle instinct and it only shows up in the form of a quiet voice or a, quiet, or a, or a soft feeling, a gut feeling. But it's not an overpowering feeling like something that might be generated by fear or craving. The ego generated uh, emotions or ego-backed emotions tend to be very strong and powerful, and then they they have us making decisions too quickly, uh, impulsively, um, and uh, without you know giving it enough time uh, to percolate, or without even being able to access the intuition. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so relating to what you're saying. (laughs) You know, if you think of the intuition, I I like to use this analogy for intuition as the sixth sense, which of Mm -hmm. course has been called for thousands of years. And that is, okay, we've got the five senses. So if you visualize your hand in the palm of your hand, let's say you, you hold your hand out and you see the five fingers stretching out and you've got the palm of the hand, that's your mind. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on inside of your mind. Usually for most people, there's a constant chattering. You know, there's this internal dialogue that's not usually that helpful, but it's noisy. And then you have the five senses with like the visual sense, the auditory sense, the kinesthetic sense. These are like antenna that basically are pulling in information into the mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're pulling in lots of information. It's very high bandwidth. You know, they say the visual cortex takes up about half of the of the brain cells uh, in our brain. That's huge. And so um, the, the five senses are pulling in all of this information. And then you've got this dinky, let's say you have this dinky little sixth finger sticking out the side and it's very small and it's calibrated to a very fine frequency. That's the intuitive sense. Mm-hmm. And it gets drowned out by all the noise. It's sort of like back in the day in the 50s or the 60s, and they, we had ham radios and you want to tune in Bora Bora and uh, it's a very faint signal and you've got to basically be very careful with the dial in order to get around all the noise on the line. Um, and that's kind of the, the problem we have with intuition. There's so much noise uh, in the system. There's so many distractions and, and you know, kind of overpowering sensory experiences, not to mention the internal chattering of the mind itself, that right. it's very difficult to, um, to hear or, or to tune in to that in, uh, frequency that the intuition is calibrated for. So I use that analogy to kind of make the point that everybody has an intuition, but unless you can access it, it doesn't really do you any good. And, yeah, and that's helpful. And I don't know about you, and I, I know for me, and maybe my listeners can relate to this, the biggest quote unquote mistakes I've made were when I was spontaneous. And as you'd said, Paul, um, made a decision based on like my fear of the mind. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to fix this. I have to make this happen or whatever. And then I jump in with both feet before really, you know, consulting with intuition. And um, it's gotten me into some hot water. Right, right. Yeah, we've all had that experience. Right. The opposite extreme is overthinking things Mm -hmm. and overanalyzing things Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, waiting for more information in which case we're liable to procrastinate and to miss a window of opportunity that has arisen. Uh, and so we fail to make a good decision in, in that way. So it's, you know, Tammy, you think that as the only species that can visualize different possible outcomes to different possible choices we might make, that we would be really good at this by now. But, <laughs> oh, contraire. We really <laughs> really suck at decision making and it's so important and that's what drove me to write this book because I had this story my own story of the most unlikely entrepreneurial success that was driven by intuitive decisions but I people asked me you've got to write this up it was so unlikely uh, you know you, you've got to write your story up because it's amazing and I said 
And so finally I did. And then I, it, it caused me to, to really delve into um, how did I do that? How did I make those decisions and where did that come from? Right. And so that was the genesis of, of the book, Intuitive Intelligence. And I really love this book. There's so much value, so much content, a lot of um, helpful information. And you go into a lot of things that I love and have studied myself. Um, the archetypes, Carl Jung, some really really good stuff here. So to my listeners, this is something I would definitely recommend to you if you want to more fully understand and tune into your own intuitive intelligence. And and it's something that I've done and have used in my life. And I haven't called it that, but it's what it is. And it really has supported me in manifesting a, a life that works with a lot of grace and ease and synchronicity. So you have a quote here that I love so much, Paul. You say the best way to predict your future is to create it. And pl the playing field is more internal than external. Oh, my gosh, do I believe this. Can you elaborate on what that means from your perspective? Well, it's kind of right in alignment with what you teach and what you write about. It's, exactly. it's basically about living from the inside out. Yes. And um, so that's, that's, that's what it means is basically we create a life or a, we bring into manifestation our heart's desires um, when we are living from the inside out, when we are expressing who we really are, rather than trying to conform to external standards of competitive excellence or somebody else's expectations or um, you know, image-oriented stuff. Um, and instead of like looking around, it's like people, you know, you talk about being an entrepreneur and, you know, we have all these magazines, Inc. Magazine and things like that. And people will go in there and they'll say, oh, I want to work for myself. I want to be an entrepreneur. And so then they'll go and they'll try to find some business opportunity that allows them to get the rewards that they want, which is, you know, independent decision making, et cetera. And, um, you know, unlimited earning potential, et cetera. And so they're basically focusing on what they want to have. And, you know, that's the um, have, do, be uh, approach, right. which is typical of human beings. You know, we get attached to the shiny object. And so then we want to have it. And so then we start doing the things that we think it's going to take. Um, and um, and, in the, and ultimately we become uh, that reality. But it actually doesn't work very well to take it from that approach. That's from the outside in, as you teach. Yeah, it and, didn't work well for me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work well for anybody, and it right. doesn't lead to lasting satisfaction. So right. really, we have to have uh, self-knowledge and, and, and come from the inside out and, and, and be led by our heart instead of by the ego. Now, I don't really have a lot of uh, uh, information in the book on what is the ego, and how does it relate to the heart? And how does all of that relate to the soul or the spirit? But this is something that I've taught for a long time. Because mm -hmm. um, like you, I was uh, ordained a new thought minister. And, <laughs> and so I've been teaching manifestation for a long, long time, mm -hmm. long before the secret. And in fact, in the book, I've got some uh, a manifestation meditation in the appendix of the book that uh, people might find, find interesting. But... The way I look at it, if it's ego driven, it's we're never going to be fulfilled. The ego is never fulfilled. 
It can never get enough. Right. It always wants more. And right. so some we've got, but I don't think the ego is a bad thing. I don't. I think there's healthy ego. And what you're saying is true. The, health, the yeah. ego has a voracious appetite and it can never get enough to be satisfied. But to have healthy ego, I think that's, um, that's a, something I've explored and, and now feel I have. It's in balance with right. the rest of my life. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think that that what happens is we get stuck on a level of consciousness mm-hmm. and that leads to uh, habits and addictions that keep us uh, uh, from from evolving. And, and I like to think of like in terms of the seven centers of consciousness or the seven chakras mm-hmm. and the ego rules the bottom three, which is security. Um, and safety is the is the root chakra. Then you have the the second one is uh, sensations and pleasure, and then the third one governs power and control. And mm-hmm. so, it's okay to have all of those things. We want all of those things, and it's the ego that gets us those things because it's the ego that's our agent. It's it's operating in the world of subject and object. So you're a subject and whatever you desire is an object. Um, and that's okay. That's the dualistic realm. But if we get stuck down there, that's when we never find fulfillment. It's okay to have all of those things. And in fact, it's important uh, to be have, like you said, a healthy ego that can govern the pursuit of, of these natural things. It's Maslow's triangle. You know, we basically... Right. It's, the path of self-actualization. But then you get to the fourth chakra, and that's the heart center. And that's where things start to shift. And that's where you kind of have a pivot point towards the soul, which you might, which I like to say governs the uh, the top three centers of consciousness, abundance, conscious awareness, and then uh, self-actualization or merging with, with, with God, if you will. So I like to think of the heart as, you know, the problem with if you get stuck on the bottom three, that's where suffering comes from. That's where lack of fulfillment comes from. And we have to evolve past that. So the ego is just like a lower form of consciousness. It's useful and it's important, but it's not the end game. Yes, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, something else that you say that I think is it, it it's really helpful and um to me, it's like what you're speaking of with the heart. It's like the fulcrum of the teeter-totter tipping over, and it takes courage to really open our heart. Um, and you say the inner game brings a spiritual dimension. This is life's biggest game and the one that takes the most guts. And to me, to open our heart, because most of us have been hurt or disillusioned, to go, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to feel my life. I'm going to go inside. And sometimes pain is what inspires us to do so. I know that was the case for me. Um my lower chakra way of living wasn't working. So I turned within. And that was when things really started to shift and become more interesting. And there was a lot more grace and support. So I know this was your experience. I love this. You left money for meaning and ended up with the money anyway, because you started to lead with intuition and heart rather than your ego. Yeah, it's amazing because I was not... I mean, I think money's important. It's a form of energy. I think, you know, wealth is a stored energy. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It's it's actually a good thing. It's a useful thing. Um, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I was making a lot of money. I was an executive in high tech 
uh, field in the software industry <clears throat> in the in the 80s but i was i was not happy i you know i owned a house and i had a nice car and i was a, a single father but um i i just it was a kind of a brutal environment it was very sterile and it wasn't really feeding feeding me and i had this um this aha moment where well it's kind of it's a synchron it's synchronicity synchronicity struck because what i was doing was i was actually so stressed out at work in this very dysfunctional uh, brutal scapegoating environment that i was actually bringing the I Ching to work with me, mm. which is a totally odd thing to do. And for people who don't know what the I Ching is, it's a divination system uh, from ancient China. It's a Taoist classic, and it's a way, uh, it, it, it's divination like tarot cards, but it's a way to stimulate the intuition to think outside the box around problems that logic can't handle. And I was having problems that logic couldn't handle, basically office politics. And, uh, and, and and how to navigate all of that. So the I Ching would give me advice. It would give me timeless wisdom in order to decide, well, should I try to fix this now? Right. Should I assert myself? Or should I do nothing and wait for these dark clouds to pass? Or should I retreat? Maybe even run like hell. So... <laughs> That's something that we know in the martial arts, but in the West, we were type A. We just want to assert ourselves and tackle everything and fix it now. And so I was using the I Ching at work. Well, I had always been uh, very much in love with the I Ching since I was 19 years old. And I tell this whole story in my book. It, it has to do with, you know, uh, learning self-knowledge during the student stage of life. And I was introduced to it um, when I was 19 by this cute girl on campus. And I was very interested in her. And I didn't really care uh, that much about this crazy fortune telling thing that she was showing me. I mean, I didn't know what it was. And I, I basically went along with it and I kind of made fun of it. And she she gave me the coins and said, here, try it. You know, write down a question and, and then toss the coins and let's see what it says. So I did, I didn't really have any, I was just making fun of it. And lo and behold, it, I got this reading, um, hexagram number four, which was entitled Youthful Folly. And then there was a bunch of text, and in the, in the, in the, in the gist of it was, the student lacks respect for the teacher. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> kind of busted you. <laughs> yeah, I'm making fun of it, and it's making fun of me. I hear so, that. I love it. <laughs> Then my attitude changed a little bit, and I was kind of curious, and I wanted to test it. So I said, let me try that again. And so I tried it again, and this time, once again, it just ignored my frivolous question and came back with a reading that included the text, questioning the sincerity of the seeker. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, now it's testing me. So that's how I became uh, uh, entranced by the I Ching, and I studied it my whole adult life. And... Um, I was fascinated by it, and I was also fascinated by software. Now, just to fast forward, I've actually am a Western author of a Western ver version of the I Ching, which is known as the Book of Changes. That's the translation, 
And my I Ching, I've got an app of it. It's called the Visionary I Ching. And people can download this on their smartphones, right? Yeah, yeah. You can do it on your smartphone. That's right. And it's a really e easy way to access this incredible tool. And um, just had my, my westernized I Ching translated into Mandarin by a huge publishing house in, in Beijing. So that's kind of exciting. But... Anyway, so I was fascinated by the I Ching from a very early age, and here I am in the office in the late 80s using the I Ching to just try to keep my balance. And uh, then one day a light bulb went off and I thought, gosh, I sure wish I could do this on my computer. Um, so um, that just inspired me right there. And we had um, a, um, a Mac, we were a Macintosh shop and um, so I thought, wow, multimedia, you know, so I basically, I, I, I took, I, I threw caution to the wind. I took my entire life savings and I hired a programmer and an artist and I created what turned out to be one of the first multimedia titles, just strictly out of love. I didn't even know what multimedia meant in those days. It meant a slideshow and a tape recorder. And I created this software product that was so far ahead of its time. It was just like, the dumbest business idea because people who knew what the I Ching was didn't buy software in 1989. Right. People who bought software were accountants and engineers who could care less. You were way ahead of your time with this. And that's how I became an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So it was completely heart driven. Ah. I was fascinated by the I Ching and I was fascinated by the potential of multimedia software. And this was five years before CD-ROMs existed wow. so yeah i was a bit ahead of my time but i went for it and that's how i became an entrepreneur and i never thought it was going to lead to uh, a lot of abundance uh, financially my dream was i could possibly make a living doing something i cared about and that would be enough for me i never thought about paying off the mortgage or anything like that and so the, <laughs> fact, that, the fact that the company evolved it became ultimately became the world's largest astrology website uh, when when the internet came along so I, I plugged away for 13 years i starved for 13 years and um i mean barely kept it together but um after it became the world's largest website where we were serving all the horoscopes for aol and yahoo and we had 10 million registered members um we started to be pursued and i basically decided to sell the company and start a nonprofit. And all of a sudden, it's like, do what you love and the money will follow. I love the saying, go for God and all things will be added unto thee. And it's scary when you're in those lower three chakras. It's like, well, I'd like to go for my you know, creativity or my joy, or I'd like to be of greater service, but I got to make money. I got to make a living. And that was me for a long time. But when I finally had the courage to um, go for my heart, listen to my intuition, um, the place I'm in is very similar to you. I started going for love. I started going for the heart. And and at this point in my life, I'm far more successful than I've ever been. It's um, it's it's so funny to me. It's like if everybody knew how well this could work, living from the heart and going for those higher three chakras, everybody would be doing it. But it does take a lot of courage, as you say. And I think another quality is really developing our intuitive intelligence. So we don't have a lot of time left, Paul, but can you Give people some hints or tips or clues about how they can start to cultivate this form within themselves. Well, first thing, buy my book. 
And then, <laughs> yes, indeed. And in the second um, part of the book, I ha- is the how-to part, and I have a lot of, um, of chapters that basically talk about how you can increase your awareness of synchronicity, how you can use uh, meditation and mindfulness exercises in order to tamp down the noise, in order to calm your system down so that you can possibly uh, hear that still small voice of intuition when when uh, when you need to. Um, and uh, there's a, a chapter on divination, which is, the book doesn't hinge on that, but that can be very useful. And so I'm trying to introduce people to that. Um, and, uh, and we talk about other tools for thinking outside the box, like mind mapping and, you know, paying attention to what's unusual, you know, indulging in playfulness. These are all things that are going to help uh, cultivate intuitive intelligence, um, invoking archetypes like you brought up earlier. So there's, there's a lot of. Uh, yeah, you get it from a lot of different directions, which is wonderful. Right. So do you have a website or a way that people can connect with you, Paul? Yes, uh, it's divination.com, D-I-V-I-Nation.com. And there's a contact form there if people want to get a hold of me. Uh, and everything that we do uh, with my nonprofit is at that site, including the uh, I Ching app and how to go get it, including the book Intuitive Intelligence and my other books. Uh, so divination.com is the best route. Perfect. And I'm so grateful that you said yes to another show with me next week where I want to go more into synchronicity, what that is and how we can invite more divine support in our lives. Very, very excited about that conversation. So, Paul, I just appreciate you immensely. I think you have so much wisdom to offer. And um, to my friends that have been hanging out with this, I know you probably got a great deal of value from this conversation. Get a copy of his book on Amazon or go to his website. It's good. I've spent some time there. I love it myself. Thinking about getting the I Ching app, I'm saying it looks like kind of like fun. And I like fun. It's <laughs> great. And to my uh, beautiful friends that have spent this time with me here today, we're just sending you blessings of gratitude. I love having these conversations, but what makes it even more fulfilling is knowing that you are a part of the energy that is Empower Radio and Journey to Center. And I invite you to be in touch with me if you've got show ideas, if you want uh, just to have a conversation, find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, And to me, it's about conscious conversation and going higher together on this journey onward and upward. So God bless you. Take good, gentle care of yourself. And I look forward to hearing from you. 